Hello on air. I'm Mike Stockton coming to you from the almighty Frankfurt on Main, Germany. And I'm Balash Renzi coming to you from Pitch, Hungary, which is not almighty, never been, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe at one point <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> I mean, the name sort of sounds, if you, if you said it in passing, sounds like it's something else sometimes, doesn't it? Pitch? Yeah. What's up? What's up, Pitch? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, never, I never thought about that, but yeah, that actually, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you, now you think of your town as, as a little bit tougher, don't you? Yeah, the German word is Fünfkirchen, which is five churches. Um, the, the German word, I mean, the, the, the city's German um, translation, I guess, but Pitch <laughs> doesn't mean five churches in Hungarian. Could be some Latin name. I, I'm really not good at that. I don't know. You know, it means five churches. Yeah, I come, I come, come from this, uh, or come to this from a an American view, right? And uh, yeah. <clears throat> but do you find it strange that countries and cities within countries don't all use the, uh, you know, the name their their mother mother tongue name? Um. That's a good point. I never thought about that, to be honest. I mean, granted, some countries, like if you thought of China or um, others, I'm sure are incredibly difficult to say, and maybe it wouldn't uh, wouldn't even work in some cases, or the the translations and whatnot. But I always just thought it was strange. Certainly for like Western countries, you know, um, mm. for for like London to be called Londres, it's just strange yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, page is. I think page is page in English as well. But then, I'm not sure if it's if it's if Fünfkirchen is the name that Germans use, or is it just a like a like a second name or so? And it's in Pechu in Croatian. So, um, but yeah, but some cities in Hungary they they use some derivative of their um, Latin names from Roman times, but some don't. So it really depends on you know how the people who live there how they're developed and whatever. Well, did you like? I know with my wife's home country of Slovakia, you, you have like uh, Bratislava, I believe, is Pressburg, which was uh, I would yeah, guess the Austro-Hungarian yeah, empire name, right? So, did Pozsony is Hungarian? Where yeah, Pozsony is the Hungarian version. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, yeah, I, I like I can say Deutschland. I I feel like uh, <laughs> okay, umlauts and whatnot could be tough for English speakers, but I I yeah, it's something. I feel it's just kind of a strange, uh, strange peculiarity about humans, you know, to rename everything in their language, including cities. Like you don't name, you don't rename a person. Um, yeah. Although, yeah. as well, you know, well, Asian people do. That's they true. They rename themselves when they come over, right? So true. And I always find it funny in the news here again, going to Slovakia when you see a um, a female 
actor or actress in um in the US uh with an ova on the name and you're like mm-hmm. wait a sec it's not Winona Ryder ova it's Winona Ryder <laughs> and it's <laughs> yeah but it's it's uh yeah uh, it's like the russians don't use their second you know like i don't know um igor vasilievich whatever they don't use the second name which always i think comes from your father right yeah so yeah. even women use that but but when there's a russian actor or or, or what what not they don't use that in their in their stage name or sometimes probably the name's not even the same as their birth name but that's a that's a whole different story right especially with these Tony Curtis and all those guys who had all been had some um, very, 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 yeah, yeah. Tony Curtis was a Hungarian Jew with, I think with Schwartz was his family name. So uh, that was not really marketable, I guess. So they, he went to Tony Curtis and that was, that was uh, how the world knows him. Yeah. Interesting stuff that, uh, well, has nothing to do with watches really, but that's okay. I'm just thinking if there's been a watch brand that's that you know if 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 there had ever been a watch brand that's been rebranded or renamed or Ooh, well think, as, um, as we've stated there are certainly those that are mispronunciated right so oh yeah oh yeah and we got some backlash over that and some some fun funny comments about glashut and stuff we we talked about that um, but I I wasn't there like. Wasn't Romain Jerome was renamed RJ? Yeah, RJ yeah, they got rid of the uh, Romain Jerome. You're right. Yeah, for example, yeah, but not the big ones, not the not the Zenits and the Longines. And, yeah. Um, Although, then again, Omega is Omega is named after a caliber, albeit that that happened hundreds of years ago or a hundred plus years ago. But hmm. yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, other than that, um, before we get into the Hengelanx controller today, we're going to, uh, well, no, we're going to get into the Hengelanx controller, and then we're going to talk about Oris, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we picked some some examples like we did before with, I think we did with Zenith, with Tissot, and, and a few other brands. And um, you had three, I had three. Yep. Um, but um, before that... Um, don't tell me you're wearing an Oris. I'm not wearing today. an Oris today. Okay, no. good. What um, are you wearing then? So I got, as you know, a uh, Japanese tranche of watches. I, I call it that because mm-hmm. our our good friend Eric is is uh, our help in Japan, and then Patrick in Belgium um, usually receives the package and then distributes. And so thanks I got, to both of them, actually, yeah, because it's also thanks. one. Exactly. There's one waiting for me, and thanks to you for babysitting it while uh, while I'm away. Yeah, it's uh, it's staring right at me within its uh, mailer, already pre-addressed and everything. So nice, perfect. Thank you. It's ready to come your way. Uh, so yeah, I'm wearing one of the watches that I received, and I'll take a half step back and say that this was an interesting group of watches. It was. Pretty Seiko heavy, although I ended up getting a pretty neat Quartz Hoyer diver from the early 80s, one of the Monin cases, uh, case mm. divers. So our friend Eric decided to sell his orange diver with a glossy with a glossy dial, and I snapped it up. I just it was a watch I'd kind of always wanted, and that's pretty neat. But that's not what's on my wrist. What is on my wrist today is a 1966 Seiko Grand Seiko. 
affectionately known as the 62GS. And yeah, so this was the first Grand Seiko with an automatic movement. And it is a pretty unique looking watch. And it has a kind of an interesting backstory uh, that I'll cover in an article. But it was originally the Seiko Seikomatic from... Mm -hmm. 1965 and it carried a chronometer rating. So it was basically the same exact watch. And as we know, after I think the first chronometer from Seiko was 1960 and they had the chronometer rating for some of their watches up until 65. And in that year, the uh, agency in Switzerland decided that all watches needed to be tested in Switzerland in order to receive that uh, certificate. So they were effectively blocking out Seiko unless they felt like shipping over everything and shipping it back. Right. Mm -hmm. So in retaliation, uh, they created the grand Seiko standard, which was actually a more accurate, uh, test, uh, versus the cost, um, accuracy at the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically, uh, you know, grand Seiko had been around by that time, but they, they decided to, to take this, uh, Seiko-matic and apply the grand Seiko name to it and, you know, make it even more accurate. So, uh, I'd always wanted one of these. It's a neat watch. They're like 36 and a half millimeters. It's got a little crown at four o'clock because it's got the magic lever. You can't wind it. It's just meant to shake and get it going. So the, the crown is really a bit of an afterthought, uh, quick set date, 35 jewel movement. And <clears throat> it's funny, but I should arrived and it was on like this eighties Seiko steel bracelet that totally didn't fit it, you know, um, just like such an afterthought, but the watch itself, like the, the case is in fantastic shape. Yeah. Dial is flawless. Uh, the crystal is all scuffed. So I spent about five, 10 minutes with some poly watch and man, this thing keeps ridiculous time. It is, it is so good. Um, as it should, huh? Yeah. Although I have no clue about its service history, but it, it, it's fantastic. And you, uh, helped me with some strap recommendations and I'm wearing it on a green, I don't know what I, I would call this. It's like, it's, it's a, pebbled leather, like a dark green pebbled leather without seams. And I would actually say that this watch works really well on a plain strap like that without seams because the the case is so minimalistic that the stitching would take mm -hmm. away. Um, so it works. It, it really is a nice combo. And I'm just tickled with this watch and so tickled that I've got an article in uh, progress about it. And I've not really written a free flow vintage article in a long time. So That'll be my Very next cool. thing that goes out. So. so that's the one that you posted like five days ago, isn't it? The yeah. That's like 9,000. Yes. And that's uh, the one. That, you had a different strap on it, but uh, with with stitches. Um, but but yeah, regardless of the strap, it's really um, it's really something else. I mean, I guess to the naked eye, grand, like vintage Grand Cycles look the same, but then they don't, right? Like, yeah, it's a, it's a cycle. It's a cycle on it, and there's like data on it and blah, blah, blah. But it's mm -hmm. uh, it's far more, uh, I guess, complicated, if you will, or or specific yeah. uh, than yeah. that, especially with uh, the one. Uh, I mean, the one you posted afterwards, which is the, the, the King Cycle, uh, the 4420, there you see that it's the case shape is a bit different. Obviously, mm -hmm. the, the text is different. Um 
that's a lovely piece too by the way i, I love that look as well but um but it's yeah it, the, the the devil is in the detail right especially with these watches yeah and it also really makes you hunt for pieces that haven't been over polished i think this one maybe right. had one polish but it's all there and it, it's also the nerd type watch that all of us uh spoke endlessly about before Grand Seiko hit it really big when we were trying to convince people how good they were. Um, and many people rolled their eyes. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but you're right. Great details. And yeah, the other thing, sorry to hijack this, but between this watch and, and a couple of the other King Seikos I received, they're really robustly built. So you really feel like you can wear them without, you know, wearing too much. I mean, of course you don't want to slam the acrylic into anything, but no, they don't feel rickety or, um, so would you delicate. wear it? Would you wear it to the pool if it had a, a proper death rating or no, I, I don't think I would do that, but I, but, but I guess my point is I would, I would gladly take it like on a one week trip and not worry too sure. much about no, it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, know, absolutely. um, yeah. Whereas, uh, I, I guess a corollary to this and what I think is kind of a neat Swiss dress watch from the period, although earlier is like the pole router and yeah, I like the pole router, but it feels like a more delicate watch versus this. So, yeah, that's a good point. I never felt the need to pay attention to my vintage cycles when I wore them. And I never thought about it, but you're right. I just, you know, even with the 6139, mm -hmm. um, or or the King Psycho, the Grand Psycho. Okay, granted, I never really uh, took them for a week trip, but but I never really felt the, the as I said the, the the urge to pay attention to them versus when I was wearing my vintage Omega or vintage Tissot, whatever. They always, yeah, I feel that they're a bit more fragile than than these ones. They're just very very nicely built, sturdy. I mean, the Psycho's sturdy watches. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's the hidden crown. Maybe it's the, I don't know. It's just, yeah, they just feel uh, invincible in a way. Yeah. And I also think that they, like all of these uh, King Seiko and Grand Seiko pieces that I got in from the mid sixties, all have screw down case backs. Not that that's a, a sure sign of anything, but you know, it's got a robust look and mm -hmm. yeah, they, they, of course they've reissued a lot of these things. So that helps them look even more, kind of modern, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, kind, kind of also cool in this day and age where maybe wearing a Rolex out or something is a little bit, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. Keep, keep seeing more and more reports like the latest one in Amsterdam, unfortunately. And yeah, uh, I, I feel like I'm wearing something horologically really pretty top drawer here and I don't have to worry a bit about it. So yeah. Yeah. So, you're right. Very so nice cool. piece. And, and I, and I can't wait for you to get your, your watch. We won't tell what it is yet. Yeah. It's in the same vein at least. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully next week or, or the week after uh, we have to be a bit creative because next week I'm here, but then the week, I mean in Germany, but the week after not, but you know, when I'll come, I'll get back, I'll have plenty of stories to tell. Hopefully maybe some watch pickups if Eric will help out. So, um, but yeah, but but uh, definitely, uh, I'd love to love to get mine. I can't wait. Um, and actually, it's it's really thanks to you because I think you you kind of spotted that one, 
and uh, brought it to my attention, as far as I remember. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, you know, not, not uh, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but yours is in better shape than mine. In fact, it's, it's really a, a beautiful watch. So yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there and I'm, I'm excited yeah. for you to get it. So exactly. Thank, thanks a lot again, um, to you and to, to everybody else, Eric and, and Patrick. Um, yeah, yeah but until you? then, exactly. I can't, I can't, so I don't have any psychos with me. Uh, I, I brought a few watches and, um, and I picked one up and I'm wearing the one that I picked up and this is, well, Nothing special, I guess. Um, it is an Angelus chronograph, mm. believe it or not. Sounds special. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's um, so I wrote this article not too long ago about these uh, 210 caliber 210 small 35 millimeter case Angelus chronographs. We can put the link in the show notes. And um, so they made four versions of this watch. Um, of course, they used the, the, the 210 in many other case shapes, but there was this there was this run of four. Um, so basically, two and two, two different cases. One is thin, more Art Deco. One is a bit thicker, a bit bigger, and black dial or white dial. So altogether, four versions, right? Okay. And so I have um, the white dial Art Deco version which is this very thin small lugs um fixed spring bars as i said caliber 210 in it which is the the predecessor of the 215 it's an in-house caliber it's a column wheel uh, manual wind uh, angulus in-house movement and i had the white version which i picked up for something like five six hundred euros a few years ago so it was really a steal for what what you, what you were getting at the time mm-hmm. and then i picked up a black version. Um, but that was in Hungary. So a friend of mine picked it up. And last week when I was in Budapest, he, he gave me the watch. Um, so now I have the same watch, uh, same case shape, same caliber, but the, but the two dial versions, the black and the white. Now I need the thick, the big, the big case, black and white <laughs> version. It's going to be a hunt, but yeah, so this is, um, it's been serviced. It has a beautiful black gilt dial, um, with a, with a, a a base 1000 or a, a touchy bezel or printed um, scale rather than other bezel scale printed on the, the outer rim of the dial. And um, it's a bicompax, um, beautiful uh, gold uh, arms, uh, arms, Jesus Christ, uh, hands, um, flat pushers. And um, I guess this is a watch that would look good on you because it's small, Smaller, not, right? not teeny tiny, but yeah, but small. Um and it it looks okay on me. I, I don't mind. You know, we talked about this. I don't care if it's 33 or 34. I still wear it. And you saw some of my watches that are really small. Um, but uh, this one's been serviced. And my friend, I'm telling you, I don't know where the, the microphone is, but I don't. Could you hear this nice action on the pusher? Now I heard it. Ooh. Yeah. I hear that snap. Yeah. So it's, uh, you have a, you, you get a kick, like a kickback from the, from the lever it's a it's a nice it's a very nice piece the the loom is missing from the minute hand sadly but it's there in the hour hand and these are still uh, radium loom so um i don't mind that uh that it's not there um it is what it is but the but the numerals are also um um covered uh in in radium oh, and it's still nice. there sometimes they remove those and they used to print this golden 
outline of the numerals. That's also nice. But this one is, I would say, as original as it gets. Uh, very, very simple uh, chronograph. I mean, I, I, I'll send you a, a WhatsApp, so just that you know what I'm talking about. I guess you, you already do. Um, it's oh, I'm just excited a, to decent, see the picture. Piece. Yeah, let me... Let me try to send you one. So, um, yeah, and I, and I wrote the article, and then I already had the piece when I wrote the article, but it was in Hungary, so I didn't, I couldn't use my own images. So I used, um, um, I think a dealer was gracious enough to, I found him on Instagram, and he was gracious enough to send me some pictures of his version, which is in the <laughs> article. But um, yeah, it's an, oh, and it's an earlier version than the big ones that the thirty-eight millimeter two fifteen. Uh, Angelus swatches because they have the double frame logo and this one has the single frame logo. So hmm. if you want to get geeky, then it's, uh, I would say this is probably late forties, maybe something like that. Wow, it sounds like yeah. a great find. So how long how long ago did you find it uh, from when it was serviced? It's uh, a good question. I think I found it somewhere around maybe February March. Okay, that's and not then that bad. No, 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 no. But, but, um, you know, I, I was unable to pick it up. And then this, this friend of mine, who's also a, a dealer, um, he, um, he knows the guy and, uh, I told him to, to bring him the watch and he picked the watch up. He had it serviced and he gave it to me last week. So he was, he was very nice. And, and, uh, but he does it from time to time. When I find a watch here, he's always the one who kind of takes care of it and, and picks it up for me. So, yeah, so maybe a few months. Uh, this it has been uh, sitting in his in his safe. Well, like I said on one of our prior episodes, I'm always impressed at how you unearth these amazing gems, and you've you've awakened me to that era of watch. I've still not made good on anything. It it is something that I'm not uh, as comfortable with as you, but I, I sure love seeing them, and I like how you you find them, and also. I'm an absolute sucker for, you know, getting something back on the road. And I like that you, you always do that. So really oh, cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll, next time I'll see you, I'll, uh, hopefully soon I'll, I'll bring it and you can, you can try it on. And these are relatively easy to find. So I would say that, you know, if you want one in a decent condition and you don't mind a bit of Wabi, which, which will come with a 70 year old watch anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't mind that, um, and if you don't mind a fixed spring bar, which can be a, a pain in the back sometimes, um, then it's a, it's a, it's a very, very nice, as I said, 35 plus, so not too small, but, but, but small ish chronograph, uh, to anybody's collection. And it's not only made that the case shape is not only used by Angelus, but many other brands, Minerva and, and whatnot. So you can, nice. you can pick them up for around a K 1500, something like that. Hmm. Well, Cool piece yeah. indeed. I'd say we Thank brought you. we brought some uh, some eclectic choices today, so that's oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see what we picked for Oris, though. Yeah, you know, with me, I'm never that. Uh, I, I tend to stay with a theme, and I kind of yeah. did today. But regardless, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Oris. So <clears throat> this mm-hmm. um, rather popular brand today was founded in 1904 in Holstein, Switzerland, which it's right near Basel, isn't it? Ooh, I think so. Yeah, it's uh, definitely in the German part of Switzerland. So yeah, and 
Oris is kind of an interesting company. They they still re- remain independent, which for a for a decently sized watch company, that's not that common these days. But they're they're pretty fiercely independent, and I believe um, if it's not their slogan anymore, you know, mechanical watches were always their or, or, or has been their focus over the last call it decade or two, and. <clears throat> an, an interesting brand, I think, because they, they fit in this um, in, in this uh, attainable luxury space, right? So they're not incredibly expensive, but they're you know not dirt cheap either. They sort of bat higher than your your entry level Swatch Group brands, uh, but under traditionally under the Omegas, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Historically, or at least in the in in the the recent past, they have used third party movements, and they still continue to do so today. But they've also hatched this plan with their four hundred series of movements to uh, to use in house now. And I think um, they're in an interesting place, right? Because their watches are pushing a bit up market price wise. We're seeing things in that four K range, uh, which we're not used to with Oris and. I, but along with that, with their movements, they're bringing, uh, some interesting lubricity, I guess. So that's like a 10 year service window, uh, on the movement. So I like that they're bringing some innovation and yet I always find, uh, most Oris watches to be very wearable, uh, to be pretty darn attractive. They use color really well on their dials. And, uh, as a friend of mine, Mike over at Whiskey and Watches say they they do a mid case really well. Somehow their watches just fit the wrist nicely. So, mm-hmm. and they had one of the more enjoyable meetings during Basel World back in the day with Heiss. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's another good point. They're a very outgoing brand. I know in the U.S. they've got like a an Airstream trailer that they uses a mobile showroom. They show up at like red bar events with that. And seems like the people who work for Oris have been there for a long time, like VJ over in the U S and Heiss we mentioned. And, you know, Rolf is a, is a very outgoing guy, the, the, the the CEO and and leader, and they do these ski trips and different things. So Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty uh, good at embracing their fans versus some other brands. They were ahead of the game on that, weren't they? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's something that that kind of stands out for the orders that that some brands really want to do this fancy schmancy, you know, uh, uh, wine and dine thing. And granted, maybe Oris does that from time to time. I'm not sure, but but in general, overall, they're very very approachable and and very laid back. And um, and I guess that when you have to choose between X and Y, and you don't get any impulse from x and y is this kind of um brand next door type of type of behavior then then you you tend to go with that one right so that i'm guessing that helps is what i'm trying to say here yeah no doubt and i think that their move a little bit up market with those in-house moves uh, or movements is you know, the, the f- people who are big fans of Oris are supportive and I think they're, they're taking them along with them, which is, which is cool. I mean, they built that sort of brand loyalty, which, uh, I think is more than some brands can say, especially in that, that price area. And I, I think as much as we question 
watches that are maybe double what we're used to from a certain brand or call it, if not double, then okay, a decent amount above, uh, above the old average, mm-hmm. uh, the, that, that more entry level luxury space is crowded and at least at the present is also getting hit pretty hard by everything from connected watches to people who don't wear watches. Right. So yeah, it's uh it's a tough space and I, I, I think, uh, yeah, they're making some smart moves. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so with the, with the six watches we chose, I, I saw yours, uh, the other day when you sent them to me and you've not seen mine. And mm-hmm. I think, um, as always, you brought some pretty, pretty wild things to the, to the table. So why don't we let you kick it off? Okay. So, um, the thing is when I, when I started looking for, cause we're talking about, at least I was looking for vintage, uh, Oris watches. And, um, <clears throat> the one thing that I realized when, cause I do then search Chrono 24, search eBay, watch forums and, and everything like that. I try to bring pieces to, to our, our <laughs> listeners attention that are not really out there, not that obvious. And, um, the, the one thing I realized is there are so many um, fakes or, or, or redials <laughs> from Japan and India. It's unbelievable. A lot from India, um, aren't there? Loads of purple and pink and green dials. And you can see this obviously not real. I, I just don't understand. Um, I'm not, I know that that's not the only brand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything with that other than there's a, a buttload of, of fake dials out there. So especially it's, those it's, pointer dates, right? There are tons of those old ones. Right, exactly. And then but so then, weird. Exactly. But then really loads and loads and loads of them. But um and the catalog, I feel that vintage catalog for Oris is not that vast as you would expect. Yep. Uh, at least that's what I understood from from my research. But so um long story short, I picked uh, my first one, which is probably the the only chronograph kind of related watch, which is a Chronoris, but it's an Oris Star Chronoris, which is a bit different than the, the Chronoris that they reissued a few years ago in that that one was a C case or like a cushion-shaped case kind of. And this one, um, I'm not quite sure if they had a reference number. Um, but so this one is the, as I call, as I said, it's the Oris Star Chronoris, which has, help me out, Mike, What what is this case shape? It's kind of it's lugless right yeah it's like a round shape which kind of lugless lugs got it like hidden like hooded lugs kind of hooded lugs yeah that's a good way to put it and so uh it has this this i think it's over 70s so it's the caliber 728 and it has this funky green uh like this electric green dial with the uh with a, a black Tehi bezel, and then you have this um, inner ring, which is like orange. I'm sorry, yellow from like twelve all the way until nine o'clock, and then at them to the forty-five minute marker, and then of course the last fifteen minutes is white. A bright, bright chronograph hand, um, date at three o'clock. So, and apparently it's about thirty-five, thirty. Uh, sorry, thirty-eight, thirty-nine millimeters. So it's not too big for mm-hmm. for for its age. 
Um, but it's a bit different than the than the than as I said than the C shaped uh, chronoris that they released uh, or re re released a few years ago. So I think that's a that's a uh, an interesting twist on the chronoris. Yeah, I, I I agree, and and you'll see that I'm going to follow up yours with a with a similar watch actually. So, uh, but I own an old uh, Oris uh, Star, I guess uh, chronograph, which is mm-hmm. it's an interesting watch. It, it's um, I believe it's chrome cased, and I ended up getting it from Columbia. I think there's an old TBT article on it. <laughs> So it's funny because this one that I picked, uh, if you don't know if you have the link in front of you, this one is from Argentina. So they must have been big in South America during this period. Um, Yeah, possibly. What I recall from it, other than mine having a nice dent in the case, um, is that (laughs) normally shipping watches like that into the U.S. get get no attention. But coming from Colombia, the package was opened by customs and then it was properly repacked and sent on. I didn't. You know, there there was no no stoppage no or anything charge. otherwise. No, no charge. I mean, the U.S. I think uh, oh, gone to the U.S. Yeah, it was like a five hundred dollar yeah. watch and um, with a with a navy blue dial, and it uh, I think at five hundred bucks, you know, you're not going to incur anything anyway. So unlike mm-hmm. Germany, but yeah, uh, it, it's a cool pick. I think uh, those watches don't come up that often, do they? No, and 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 when they do, it's usually the the, the C shaped version. So this one with these kind of longish uh, case and and this green dial, um, I don't really see it too often. But um, I think it's just a, um, a very cool and, and special watch. So yeah, um, and I'm guessing that's also chrome, by the way. Yes, it is chrome. Yeah, that would be my that would be my my first pick. Yeah. So. I, I chose one, you know, a modern corollary to this and I did, let's see, it was in 2020, November, I did a risk game article on this watch, but I chose the Oris Chronoris 2005 replica edition. So this was mm-hmm. the 35th anniversary of the original Chronoris, which I guess did come out in 70 and <clears throat> Back in, in 2005, Oris uh, reissued this watch, sort of. They they did not use a manual wind watch. They made a C-cased uh, watch in an orange and black mm-hmm. uh, motif with some white in there as well. And they used a modified 7750 such that it, it looks like a regulator because they kept the... Um, they kept the topmost dial to show, I guess that's uh, minutes. And then at six o'clock, there is an, uh, a date window. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a chunky watch, but the case was not unlike the Seamaster or Speedmaster Mark II. So think that shape yeah. with the brushing and big fat crown, um, round pushers, and what I really liked about it, and I, I said it in the article, um, I still remember seeing these new Balash at the store, and mm-hmm. they were um, they were a neat set because they came on like a perforated leather strap with orange sides, and then I want to say it came with a um, a bracelet as well, like in a leather pouch with like a button, and maybe even a second strap too. So it, it was a cool 
no, not a second strap, but it did so, come with like a, a, a tool and then it came yeah. with a, <clears throat> the bracelet and man, I really, really thought about this uh, watch for a long time. They, they were at one point you could get them kind of gray market for 1100 bucks. I mean, they were really inexpensive. So I think that these are still a cool deal. I mean, we know the 7750 has its lovers and haters out there, but one thing it is, is uh, dependable and fixable. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really like this watch. Um, And Oris did like another Chronoris reissue a few years later that was even bigger and more expensive. That was like green and gray and black, I think. Um, But this one is nice. It's 40 millimeters. Chunky, of course, being a 7750, but a nice watch. It is. It is. I just found one with the with the full set. So you can, yeah, it's, there's a tool there. There's some spring bars. There's a bracelet. There's this black pouch with orange stitching, just like the, the strap. I mean, uh, it, the case also reminds me of the Hoya Montreal and many other. Uh, yeah, absolutely. C-shape or C-case chronographs. What's the no, price? It's, it's, What's the price um, you're seeing it's, now? It's, yeah, it's out of stock. It says it's a. It was a dealer, and okay. it says from Chronoris two hundred five from two thousand eighteen, forty millimeter automatic, very good condition, original books and booklets, blah blah blah. But there is no price anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, they're yeah, fine. Check out. for sure. We can check Chrono twenty four. I'm pretty sure that there's there's a few of them. Um, but yeah, like I guess this is a. Uh, there's one on Chrono one thousand eight hundred. Yeah, euros dealer from Italy. Uh, also full set uh, display case back as well with the typical red um, um, counterweight. So the, the the rotor. Yeah, it's 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 a. I mean, it's a bit chunky. Seven seven fifty, as you said. Um, I definitely love the seven seven fifty. I know it's a cliche and it's an overused uh, phrase, but it is a workhorse of a movement. Yep, and um, it's this one is a. It's pretty cool looking piece especially with the the black and white and orange and the strap is a bit too much for me but then again i can always put it on another strap so yeah so that, that could be a lovely pair to my vintage you know if you have this in your collection like this and this or that and this and that yeah i, I think so it's just kind of a neat uh a neat piece you know sometimes companies do that where it's just like a really nice set and i i always just thought that was a a really nice complete package there. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's my Absolutely. first one. Very cool pick. Very cool pick. What do you got next? Yeah. So my second one is the, or it's another Oris star, but it's the Oris star diver orange. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> so this one is a, is an interesting piece because it, it is again, something like a, well, it's not a C shape. It's rather like an oval case shape. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was looking at this one, and mm-hmm. I was going to ask you: Is it um, is this what you'd refer to as a barracuda case? It looks like I, it, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And if and if you look at this and it looks familiar, it is so because Oris is not the only one who did these big or uh, orange dial and orange Zenith. bezel watches. Zenith, so- I think SEMA, um, JLC. Yeah, this was like kind of like a Doxa or sorry, sorry, not Doxa, Squale or some others. This was like a really popular yeah. case to use, wasn't it, for many brands? 
Yeah, I mean, even the if you look at the dial design and you look at the, the indexes, they look very Doxa-ish mm-hmm. or Doxa-esque. Um, and the cool thing about this watch is there, uh, I can send you the, I don't know if I've sent you the link of this. Uh, let me send you, you the link of this. Um, have I sent the, the link of the... Yes. Of the, the blog post anyways so there is this on, on the omega forum there is this a post from a guy who has a new old stock um model uh, with a close-up of the dial hmm. and the the depth of the dial is just crazy because you have the case and then with like a thin steel bezel and then under it there's like a the 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 minute scale which is raised so the hmm. dial is actually under the minute scale um, but then you have these raised indexes, which are higher than the dial, but not as high as the, the minute scale. And then around this thin metal bezel, <laughs> there is the, the orange bezel. So it's, uh, there's a lot of layers and a lot of circles and, uh, um, happening there. And there's a date aperture at three o'clock. Um, hands are, <laughs> uh, they're, how should you call these? Small. Um, <laughs> small rectangular they like just there's no nothing pointy on it just like a yellow rectangular smaller bigger size but 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 definitely small and um it came on something like a like a tropic style or tropic looking uh rubber strap at the time so um yeah I, i think something you don't really see that often yeah and and these have that like 12 sided uh, surround, uh, of the crystal. So there's a bezel outside of this, like interesting 12 sided thing that, that surrounds the crystal. And I, I'm guessing yeah. you can unscrew that and that's what locks in the, uh, yeah. Cause it's, it's not a front loader if I'm not mistaken. No, it's not. I, so no, no, no. Yeah. It's probably something like a lock, like you have with the Sertinas for like one of those, uh, yes. vintage Sertinas, for example, right. it locks that's the bezel. what it looks like. Yeah, I, yeah. I wonder who made these. Like I said, I, I've been I've been told they referred to as barracuda cases, and it's it's sort of this weird period. Like I said, Doxa, Squale, Yeni, uh, Caribbeans, all, all these mm-hmm. I think were using uh, the, these kind of proven cases, right? And mm-hmm. our friend, uh, our mutual friend Boris, had a yellow lemon yellow zenith that uh, he had offered to me and I turned it down and um, it's kind of a bad move because they're they're pretty valuable these days but I I must admit to you this this case style was never truly my favorite but I think in on the right type of how would you call it like sort of uh jangly bracelet or something it would look pretty cool and yeah maybe a bone clip it, exactly I was going to say something like that and just does remind you of like Cousteau videos or something. Um, but you no, know, absolutely. I, I, I'm looking more closely and to me, the crown looks exactly like what you would have found on a Doxa case. So it, it's the same yeah. shape and everything. So, so it, it's a mid seventies watch at the time. Doxa was already owned by uh synchron, right? I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's a relatively huge case. It's the diameter is 43. And it's a 60 atmosphere, so 600 meters uh, waterproof, or was at the time, watch. So um, it was the, uh, maybe not the real deal, but it was a, it was a serious watch at the time. 
for for divers. And as such, I'm guessing there there were some some you know common uh, um, producers at the time for the case or for the crown that docks are used and also maybe oris and, and some other but this is definitely not one of those orises when you think of vintage oris that you no. that you think of or that you see often no yeah. and i'm i'm zooming in on your uh on, on the link you'd sent me and i don't see a case maker on the case back so mm-hmm. i'll have to do a little research well i i'm we're, we're kind of uh going we're going to veer off on our third picks, but at least with my pick coming up, I'm going to stay on theme with you. Uh, so two for two so okay. far. And I found a pretty cool watch. I think uh, this is a nineties Oris, And I think you, you talk mm-hmm. about how the uh, Oris back catalog is, is, maybe not incredibly full. And this is one of those that I hadn't really seen since doing the uh, research. So if you take a look at the Oris 7401 diver, mm-hmm. this is a absolute nineties diver, you know, 37, 38 millimeters. So not big Eda movement with a number of dial color options. I'm seeing blue, like mm-hmm. black. That's probably turned to gray, but what I really like is an all loom version that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of looks like a, an early tag Heuer. Kind of does. Yeah. And, and, you know, right now all loom, all loom dials, we brought up that citizen, uh, uh, pro master Aqualand last time, uh, all loom dials are kind of hot right now. And this, uh, this Oris, uh, Looks like you, you okay if you find it on bracelet. It looks like a halfway decent bracelet, and yeah, they sell for. Geez, I mean, I'm seeing ads here anywhere from like 350 to 800 bucks. You know, depending on the on the condition. I, I would say mm-hmm. for four or five hundred dollars, you should be able to get a really cool dive watch that I guarantee you nobody's <laughs> nobody's going to be wearing that at your next meet up or whatever it is. And, and, um, it, it, it's, I think I own a, uh, what the heck do I own? Um, a Gerard Perigo from this time period diver and mm-hmm. dive watches from this time. Don't get a lot of, uh, credit. In fact, you know, a lot of them kind of age a little bit badly. It was really before they'd gone into good materials, but, but there are fines out there and these things wear incredibly well. They're, they're right before the big watch period. And like I say, eat a movement, uh, mm-hmm. probably nice and thin. And I, I kind of dig it. Uh, have you ever seen this one before? No, no, but it's, uh, it's the, the sleeper vintage nineties diver. We all need yeah. But you never heard of kind of, kind of, uh, kind of watch. I mean, uh, it, 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 and it's an automatic, as you said. So, it, I mean, it's, uh, I just see uh, an auction here from Kataviki and it was sold for 440 euros, um, with the old loom dial, um, albeit it was, um, it wasn't a strap, not on a bracelet. So it's technically head only, but, uh, but it's, yeah, the old loom dial, um, typical 90s vibe automatic movement date at three o'clock uh gold indexes black inner bezel <clears throat> so or at least inner scale and, and an outer steel bezel 
So yeah, it's I, I guess the the nineties the is is coming up now, right? That that's yeah. where we are gonna fish for interesting pieces because for well, sure. because that's just fashion. I, I question like in America if you would have been able to buy these back then. I, I think, uh, I don't even know if they were in America or us at that period. Uh, but you know, there, I was looking at a kind of a cool post on watch you seek from a couple years ago where a guy was questioning whether to buy this or a, a pre bond Seamaster. Granted that was quartz and not, not the same aesthetically, but somehow still in the same, still invited to the same party. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, as I said, it, it, it reminded me of those Tag Heuer's. Uh, what was those Tag Heuer? What was the model name? You, you know which one I'm talking about. On the bracelet, especially these. Um, well, I mean, these 90s I, divers. Originally, there was the F1, which was pretty pretty good yeah. on water resistance. But the um, you're thinking of the uh, professional 1000s, I think. I, th- I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. they're, like, they're these getting are, expensive now. So yeah, so these are similar in in size, maybe a bit in looks. <laughs> mm, yeah, not the same, but but kind of I, I get kind of this vibe. But yeah, under five hundred bucks, uh, if you want a decent Swiss made diver from Morris with an all loom dial, under five hundred euros, automatic movement with a date, because I know a lot of you guys love dates. Um, look no further. Yeah, great cool. pick again. Yeah. Well, I, I did my best rendition of you there, bringing in a proper wild card, but still it, fit fit my is. type of uh, <laughs> no, it is watch. Yeah, it is. It's it's a it's a cool pick. It's a very cool pick. And if you don't want the old loom die, you can choose between the blue one or the black one, as you said. So there's plenty, plenty to to uh, choose from. Yeah. So okay. what do you got for your last pick? So I have to go geeky on the last one, and this is the. Um, as geeky as it gets, or as I could get, I don't want to point or date and none of that stuff, but I went with the Oris dynasty, which yeah. is I mean, wow. even the name, the Oris dynasty, uh, it kind of does. And it kind of doesn't remind you of the TV show, but then it kind of does, <laughs> especially if you look at it, right. Yeah. Uh, the, the original dynasty, not the, these new ones. Um, so it's a 1970s, um, uh, mechanical dress watch kind of um it's um so basically it's a it's a square case with um or more rectangle than well the dial is definitely square the case is more rectangle but these very very thick lugs and the dial has this black crosshair um and on the upper left so the Obviously, the dial, then it's divided into four little little squares. And the upper left square, it says Oris Dynasty. On the lower uh, right square, it says Seven Jewels. It has its thin black hands. And the dial is somewhat um, reflecting like a mirror or this very shiny steel surface. I'm not even sure if it's coated or, or, or uh, uh, you know, w- what's going on there. It's kind of remind me of the Doxa graphic. I was about I to tell were. you exactly that it made me think <laughs> of the Doxa graphic right away. Exactly. Exactly. So the case is very similar. I love the Doxa graphic. I think it's such a funky watch. Um, again, there's like not a crosshair, but like a star going on there. And the date is in this between like 
10 and 11 and the doxa logo is between um four and five mm. so it's it's i'm guessing it's from that era and and something very very similar so um as i said this is a, a mechanical watch uh only seven jewels so it's it's you know it's not a bulletproof movement i guess but um it's not bad and it's uh, a small piece so i mean i found some unisex versions some some Women. Some people say it's unisex, and people say it's it's just a women's watch. I don't know. I guess these days, <clears throat> excuse me. I guess these days it's very difficult to tell, and I don't want to. But sure. uh, but it's just a, it's just a cool piece. It's like a, a very very nice watch. And again, if you if you search for um, Oris Dynasty, um, you can find them relatively available um, around three to five hundred euros. Um, not too many and many of them have a kind of, uh, messed up dial, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, as I said, it's a small watch, so maybe it's a, just a ladies piece, but these days who knows, but it's definitely a very, very cool piece. I love it. Well, the, yeah, I see a lot, some being offered as ladies and then some as yeah. men, um, probably going to be a small side, but sure. These days, with so much interest in uh, the Cartier tank, I think mm-hmm. uh, you know square or rectangular watches are getting a little bit of a or uh, having an awakening. And this is a pretty inexpensive way to give that a shot. I mean, m- most people haven't worn a rectangular watch in a long time, if ever. So you yeah. can have some fun with it, and not not step right up to the uh, to the big boys, but still have a watch that you, you know the brand name, which I think is kind of fun. Exactly, and a lot of people wear those small Cartier tanks, and not much bigger than this one, if at all. No, um, and and that's fine. So why shouldn't this be fine? It's it's fine. It, or, this or the Docs are graphic, but um, better both. Better yeah. have them both. Very cool. Great pick. Yeah, thank you. It's thank very you. funky. It is. So uh, I was kind of toying on this one. Um, the, the, the next watch I was going to, uh, well, probably am going to pick is the, uh, is a watch that's currently in production and I can, it, it of course harkens back to a vintage piece, but, um, the next watch for me is the, is the diver 65, which is mm-hmm. based upon the aura star diver from the sixties. And it's worth mentioning that vintage piece because, um, they're pretty neat. Uh, the, the vintage ones I think are, you know, between 34 and 36 millimeters and, and came in a variety of, of dials, but many of them were hand wound. Although our, uh, partner Thomas, he, uh, he found an automatic one, which has to be a, a pretty rare find and, and found it for a good deal. So, you know, the vintage model is certainly worth, seeking if you can find one, but they're rare, uh, didn't, didn't age especially well, like most affordable divers from that era. Um, but the modern one, you know, Balash, this was right in the beginning when I joined Fratello and, and I was sitting, um, at an Irish pub here watching, I don't know what we were watching football or rugby or something. And, I still remember RJ sending me the the link to the first ever press release uh, for the Diver 65. You remember it had those like uh, yellowy mm-hmm. block numerals yeah. and everything. Yeah. And I thought, Holy cow. That is amazing. And I got one in for review and I wrote up a review of it. So 
it's almost a special watch for me just because it's it just represents the early days of getting into this uh this this business slash hobby and I always thought the 65 wore beautifully well. I love how many different colors and and things they've come out with. Um, I got my wife a, uh, this was like four or five years ago. I got her a uh, 40 millimeter with the bronze bezel with the black inlay. So Mm -hmm. looks two-tone and it's a great watch. Uh, Great, great watch. I think the 65 gets more press these days because it, um, has limited editions, which is cool, but as a as a standalone, just the normal models and whatever size you choose, and you don't even have to go in-house. I think the Solitas are great and they keep that watch super thin. Uh you've got such a wide r- array of choice. And these days we we all focus on the newest thing that comes out. But man, the 65 is a is a great watch. And I know people moan about the hundred meters of water resistance, but Come on, I, you know it's 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 crazy uh, to to yeah. moan about that. It's got a screw down crown, great looking dome crystal. Everything just feels so nice, and it's a really nice bracelet too that they make. So I don't know for for me at least that was the entry point of Oris back in my in my field of vision. That that's what really you know, brought them to the stage and, and said, all right, th- this is a company worth looking at uh, every year when they come out with their new stuff. And of course it's now more than once a year, but back then, like you said, it was Basel world and they were always a brand I looked forward to because I knew that a lot of what they'd come out with was going to fit well and look great. So the 65. Yeah. I think the 65 put, um, or is into the map for a lot of people huh? mm-hmm. um, who are maybe not fans of the brand or not, not watch fans at all. And um, obviously now, if you look at um, Oris's website and you search for 65, you come across 24 different models. And then you have um, the 42 millimeter versions. You have the 40 millimeter versions. Uh, uh, you have the, the, the 38, the, the bronze one with the, with those, uh, candy kind of uh, pink and green oh, and yeah. blue dials. Um, so, you know, you have the Kronos limited edition, also 38. Um, so uh, really 24 models to choose from male, female, or, or unisex, whatever you want to call it. You have two tones, you have bronze ones, you have steel ones, blue dial, black dial, etc., etc., etc. So it's really, um, it's really a, a, a very um, versatile watch. And, it's a relatively cheap or affordable. Mm. I know it's a, it's a bit harsh to use this cheap because, well, you know, it's a subjective term. But at 2,200 Swiss francs or roughly the same in euros, maybe a, a tad more in dollars, um, <laughs> it's really not a, <laughs> nothing to think about. If you like the watch, uh, if you like what it represents, if you like the, 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 the specifics, you know, 40 millimeter case, um, automatic movement, um, or 42 millimeter case automatic movement. There's really not much to think about at this price point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they wear, there's enough weight to them that they don't feel rickety, but the way they wear, they feel like a vintage watch with that really thin mid. Oh yeah. So I, I always, I just think they're, they're great. And, 
Yeah, there, there are a lot of companies, of course, that have come back on the scene in the last 10 years. You think of companies like Tudor and, and uh, but for me, Oris, this was their watch that, that brought them back on the scene. And you said it well, um, that, that for, that's the case for many people. So mm-hmm. I still, uh, again, we're, we're all, everybody's into what they can't get today or what's brand new, but boy, as a standby and, and just a perfect everyday watch that can dress up and, and yeah. do whatever the heck you want it to do. This is pretty good. So, yeah. And kudos to us because it didn't even mention the Fratelloris, which is a whole different story. Yeah. Well, I, I, I did that on purpose because, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think that, uh, one thing I will say about that watch is it, it highlights the, uh, the good use of color that, that Horace does. I mean, you remember there still to this yeah. day, but going every year, they were always, they were really always on top of the game in terms of coming out with just vivid colors that nobody else mm-hmm. was using. So, yeah, always nice times. As I, as I, as I said, or as you said, in, in Basel with, with, with Heiss, so shout out to Heiss and, Rolf and everybody in the in the in the Oris uh, family always a great time and I think at one point we even had like two meetings just so everybody from the team could go and <laughs> a have a look at the watches and b have a beer and and talk with Heis because the guy is just so much fun and very passionate about Oris and he's a collector himself and I think he had his I mean he 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 put his thoughts in some of the reeditions so is a I'm sure he's a very uh, valued team member. Um, but but aside from that, he's he's just a great guy and always had great great um, product presentations. So yeah. cool team out there. Yeah, very very nice team. Been a super long nice time. watches. Been a long time since we've yeah. seen him. So hope he's doing well. Yeah, exactly. Well, Alash, I think that takes us a little bit over an hour, and we managed to cover six Oris watches that that we find pretty cool, and I think some. As always, some surprises. You uh, you showed yeah, me a couple, a, and at least I brought one to the party today. That was cool. It's a nice. I think it was a nice lineup because we did something from the seventies, something from the nineties, something from the early 2000s, 2010s modern pieces. So, I guess um, we tried to show the versatility of the brand, and we managed to do that. I hope we managed to do that. So, yeah, um, yeah, cool stuff. Well. Think I've got anything else, and uh, I wish you a uh, a good remainder of your stay there in Hungary. And thank you. I hope uh, your trip your trip back is good, and yeah, we'll catch up next week. And indeed, Apalash, Mike is out. Thanks a lot, and uh, indeed, we're going to talk next week. Uh, I hope my trip's going to be fine. It's going to be on a Sunday, so no trucks on the on the autobahn. So that's always a good sign, but. Hey, fingers crossed. And um, with that, Bonash is out. Bye.